0: Hi, and welcome to the Back to Biz podcast with me, your host, Matt Page. On the Back to Biz podcast, we'll be hosting business owners and entrepreneurs about all sorts of things like how they got started, some great stories from their time as a business owner, and they'll be sharing some tips and tricks with you, the listener, to help you on your journey to business ownership. Back to Biz, the podcast with me, your host Matt Page. Today I'm really excited to be interviewing Amanda Kassar from Wealth Planning Partners in Queensland, Australia. Hi Amanda, how are you today?
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem. Thanks for popping along to our very new podcast and YouTube channel. Um, As I mentioned, Amanda is from Queensland, Australia, and is the sole director of Wealth Planning Partners, a financial advisory firm. She loves not necessarily in this good order, but I feel like maybe number three could be number one, or number two could be number one. Uh, good food, great wine, uh, friends, family, and a fabulous pair of heels. Or maybe the last one's number one. Not after <laughs> maybe great wine. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Only slippers now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Nowhere to wear them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know I've got a great collection of uh, sneakers, which they get to go to the supermarket occasionally. <laughs> Um, Amanda's an author of the book Financial Secrets Revealed. She is also a podcaster, blogger, business owner, traveller. Put that in brackets for now. It'll come back. Dreamer, friend, wife, mother, and philanthropist. Philanthropist. On, oh, how did you find time to be interviewed by me? It's great. <laughs> it's my spare time. Oh, is it? Wonderful. <laughs> um, Amanda believes that life is meant to be lived and has done things like trek the, the windy impenetrable forest that's not hard that's easy for you say. So. in <laughs> uganda to see the endangered mountain gorillas has scuba dived from lake malawi to the cook islands and is currently working on getting a motorbike license done done well done have you got a bike yet
1: i have but my husband traded it for his harley <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't riding it enough
0: so oh i, I like know. that i like the harley <laughs> Um, She is also working with the Queensland Development Board of the Hunger Project, Australia, as well as Hands Across the Water. Amanda is also the current Australian Chair for MDRT, an organisation made up of the top 5% of financial professionals worldwide. And that was where I first had the pleasure of meeting Amanda at a conference at the United States somewhere. We can't quite remember which one. LA, Uh, Orlando,
1: maybe, I don't
0: know. (laughs) Probably one of the ones where it was about 15,000 people.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But yes, as I said, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I appreciate you giving up. Obviously, everyone can tell that you're a very successful and busy person. So thanks for stopping by. And I guess what we're really interested to hear about from you is what did you do in your business? Um, So could you spend some time telling us about your current business, what you got specialised in and how you got started?
1: Sure. Well, if we go back to how I got started, I suppose, where it all began, I... Um, became a secretary to a life insurance agent pretty much straight out of high school. Um, my dad was a foreign general guy, so he sold contents, car and business insurance. And one of his friends um, was a lifey. So he was an MLC agent, sold a bit of superannuation and life insurance. And a longtime girlfriend of mine had been his secretary and was heading off to Sydney. So he he asked if, I, if I'd like to do that. And I thought of didn't have much else on at the time, straight out of high school, not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up, and just thought, yeah, sure. So part-time doing that, part-time teacher aid, and sort of over the years, we sort of progressed from secretary to a life insurance guy to a personal assistant to a financial planner. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how that transition happened. Woke up one day and it was all different. Um, And during that time, I got married and had a couple of kids, and by the time I'd done that... I think I decided I just didn't want to live quite so hand to mouth on a very set, quite low administrative income, and I'd watched what you know he'd done for years and went, I I can do that. So so it was a case of maybe I could supplement my income with some fees or commissions and help some clients myself. So kind of just grew from an administrative role into um, getting my advanced diploma of financial planning, went on and did my master's degree and finished in 2009. Oh, I was the succession plan for the business. So when Trevor retired in 2014, I bought him out. And it's now a family business. Both my adult children work with me, who swore at high school they'd <laughs> never work with their mother. So. <laughs> That's kind of how it started. So a financial planning firm in Australia, we basically look after people's protection strategies. So what happens when things go wrong, uh, planning for the future. So what do you put away for retirement, both inside and outside a superannuation or pension fund? And I've also got a subsidiary business that deals with aged care. So how do you fund entry into long-term care? So that all keeps me pretty busy.
0: I bet, as well as authoring and podcasting and blogging.
1: (laughs) Again, in my spare time. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and talking to me. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) And so when you took over the business in 2014, how many staff did you have with you then?
1: I believe we had um, one full-time PA. Um, Trevor had a part-time girl working with him, Mm -hmm. and I had a full-time with me. So I now have two full-time. So my son's an advisor and um, he's basically my office manager. My daughter works as client service manager and I have one and a half staff members also based in the Philippines as virtual assistants who I catch up with twice a week. Gorgeous girls who act as my um, insurance um, administration and client service management as well.
0: Fantastic. So in six Six years or so, seven years. You've you've grown it obviously, and and made it your own little baby.
1: Yeah. Look, it has probably gone a bit up and down. We've had such um, interesting legislative changes since the Royal Commission in Australia that that's consolidated and changed a lot how business is done over here. So, uh, probably had too many clients when I took over Trevor's business. We were sort of the all things to all people without any real specialty. So that that's changed a lot in the last seven years as well.
0: And what sort of person or client do you specialise in working with now? I know you mentioned the aged care, um, but is there that sort of the end of the financial the life cycle, end, I guess? Yeah. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> well,
1: often you don't actually meet the client ever who's entering care. You deal with the person who's helping them do that, their power of attorney, and often they're a baby boomer who's, you know, 80, 90-year-old frail parent might be needing to enter care. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of my clients in the financial planning business are probably around 50 and above, so pre-retirees, retirees, retirees, late accumulators. Yeah. Yeah, getting ready to put up the feet. Mind you, a lot of people view retirement very differently these days, and some never want to stop working at something. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, retirement's very different to walk away at 65, get the gold watch, and play long balls.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think many people do that anymore, do they? they Look, it, there's some rare. who can't
1: wait, but yeah. they're few and far between.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think most people want to keep doing something, don't they?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when the retirement age was set at 65 at the turn of last century, that was pretty much the life expectancy. So, you know, we've now got 20 to 30 years of life beyond that, that... Mm. You know, we need to live and fund, and usually the twenty, thirty years we've seriously put anything away isn't going to do that. So, some some form of work is is necessary for a lot of people.
0: Mm, a good mix of lifestyle and
1: exactly something
0: else. Um, awesome. Thank you for giving us a bit of background about your business. Um, as you know, I'm a big believer in time management and optimising the time I spend whilst in the business, but as as well as not in the business. So. Um, We both have been through and you are still doing strategic coach Um, and I like to plan my time on and off work and think I've got a pretty good balance of that. Do you use a sort of time management system and, and how do you run your life and businesses?
1: Jeez. Um Strategic Coach actually helped really well with that. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the entrepreneurial time management system um, from Dan Sullivan, he breaks the work days into uh, what he calls buffer and focus time. So your focus time is... Basically, um, 80% of your money making activities, you know, seeing clients, presenting to them, whatever it is in your particular business. Your buffer time is your administrative work, catching up on your accounting, bookkeeping, emails, that kind of thing. So, very um, focused on that. Probably not as um, diligent as I once was, uh, but also very uh, focused on free time. I was once a dreadful workaholic um, when my children were little and my business was at home, you know, I'd sort of have dinner on the table, six o'clock, we'd get washed up, read stories, put them to bed, and I'd go back to work. Or if I couldn't sleep, I'd be up at 2 or 3 a.m. working to 5, having a nanny nap, going back to work. So you get very worn out very quickly doing that. And I'd struggled for quite a while with that. But learning um, the who, not how, getting people to help me with things that I didn't have to do everything mm. and then being very precious about my free time. We now close the office at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I will not look at emails or anything work-related until I walk back in around 8 a.m. on a Monday morning after I've been for a swim. Uh, so I, I think that freeing your headspace to have that time out, focus completely on family, not doing the sneaky email Um it just does refresh you and put you in a great mindset to to start over and be super focused when you are actually working
0: yeah one of the things i've done recently is i've got myself another phone which only has my work stuff on it so basically at friday three o'clock i'm the same as you i usually meet a couple of guys for a beer on a friday afternoon and we go off and have a couple of beers and that phone gets turned off and shut in the desk office and it doesn't go on until i get to the office on monday morning again and that's yeah, basically because right. you're not sitting there going, oh, I can answer that email at 6 o'clock on a Sunday night. It's yep. <laughs> you've, you've got to take that time out to refresh and recharge, don't you?
1: Absolutely. Really do.
0: Because then you come back next week and kick some more butt. Ready to roll. Yes. So that's cool. Um, what are some of the things? Obviously, we mentioned a whole bunch of stuff, re, uh, the charity and diving and trekking and things like that and family. What are the things? Do you want to go into a bit more detail about what you get up to when you're not working?
1: Yeah, the um the charity work I I again kind of stumbled across that I I didn't go looking my my whole um work with charity till that stage would be you know clean out the closet every couple of years and make a donation to a charity clothes shop that was kind of all I knew or you know duck ten dollars into the lifesavers when they came around knocking on the car door window. Um, <laughs> But I was involved with, I suppose it's Australia's largest networking group for women called Business Chicks, Mm -hmm. and they have an affiliation with the group, The Hunger Project, and every year would pick up to 20 women, um, more would apply, to go on what they call a leadership and immersion program with The Hunger Project. Mm -hmm. And the um, founder and CEO sort of took me aside one day and went, why don't you do this trip? And I used to sit there watching all these amazing videos of women thinking, oh, how cool are they? (laughs) But I never flicked the switch that that could be me. So until someone sort of confronted me and said, why don't you do that? And, you know, there's plenty of reasons why I couldn't. I had, you know, early teenage children. I was running two businesses, um, you know, all all the usual stuff. You know, I'm too busy. uh, I don't want to raise $10,000 for a charity. (laughs) Um, But in the end... I, I felt they were only excuses yep. and maybe doing this, this thing that was so far out of my comfort zone could be good for me. So I initially signed up to do a trip to um, Malawi that didn't work out, then Ethiopia, but that became very unstable. And so my first trip was in, um, I think it was 2015 to Uganda, and it it blew my mind. I, I cried when I left Uganda and I loved the idea of the charity which provided a hand up rather than a hand out. So they weren't there to just, look, here's, you know, a bowl of rice for everybody or here's ten dollars. It was about empowering um mostly the women in the village, but men as well, to become entrepreneurs. How can they support themselves? And these beautiful stories of these amazing uh, men and women who had basically gotten themselves out of the cycle of poverty, and whether that was starting a market stall or breeding chickens or pigs or um, making the rush mats to go in houses, or uh, the it was just such a, a a great story and so inspiring that it was you come back going you know, if these people can do it, why can't I, you know, with all the problems that they have living on, you know, less than a dollar a day to mm. thrive in their world and society. And so it inspired me so much I went, I've got to do that again. <laughs> so, so signed up and did Malawi um, the following year, had to raise another $10,000, which did not light my fire at all. I'm terrible at, at asking for money that's, you know, um, which you know, when you, you put the cause ahead of yourself, it, it becomes a lot easier. So that was incredible. And then um, always wanted to do India as well. I've got a lot, very long family history, and I've gone down the rabbit hole on ancestry, um, and totally wanted to learn more about India. So did that trip. Got that thankfully in at the start of 2019 before <laughs> the world got got shot up to hell with COVID. <laughs> so, um, and it, it's a very different process over there where they empower the. Um, the women who have to stand up and talk in local parliament because they have quotas there and not only uh, men and women but also through the different caste system. So it was Mm. fabulous to learn more about that and how these women who had had no voice and never spoken out of their homes could then... You know, be knocking on the councillors' doors and building schools and toilets and um, sanitary uh, arrangements and providing incredible services for their community. So, been blown away by watching this work. And yeah, it, it certainly tugs at the heart.
0: A bit. It's fantastic stuff, and to be able to see the results as well as as that's probably you know so empowering to you to know mm. that what you're doing and whilst it's it's hard to ask for money, I guess. It's it's actually really making a difference to these people.
1: Exactly. Which is yeah, awesome. Not, I actually very was fortunate to win a trip with Hands Across the Water. I did a blog called I Want a Trip to the Slums of Bangkok. So <laughs> <laughs> <it> was, yay. <laughs> but it was so cool, again, to see um, the work Peter Baines and his organisation is doing over there with a lot of the Thai orphans. And he yeah. became involved in that when he was assigned after the tsunami In um, Thailand. So Mm. look, there's some beautiful people on this planet doing some amazing work and it's such a privilege to to have been a part of some of that.
0: Fantastic. That's awesome stuff. I don't feel like we need to ask any more, but we will. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been listening to your podcast, which is it's from the book, right? It's basically the people that you interviewed from the chapters of your book. You've been interviewing them on the podcast. So do you want to um, expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so Financial Secrets Revealed was about, I suppose, asking people very much about what did you learn about money growing up? What sort of family influences did you have? What did your parents teach you? And I think after the 18 interviews I did, the resounding answer was nothing. (laughs) My parents actually taught me nothing. But there's also obviously those unspoken lessons, you know, the the money doesn't grow on trees stuff or the work hard, get a job, go to school, those kind of things. And it was about... Do we keep those mindsets that have been ingrained, whether spoken lessons or not, or do we change our, our minds over time? So it was also about how some people got into financial services. Um, I interviewed business people as well, and also everyday people who are struggling on, you know, surviving on a Centrelink pension. So how do you make that work mm. right through to, you know, multi millionaires um, and founders of charities? So whatever we've been given, how, how can our beliefs impact what we do? Um, mm. and can we change those? And then in turn, what do you want to teach your kids about money? <laughs> so, you know, we're breaking that cycle of it not being talked about anymore.
0: Yeah. Cause there's definitely that I know from being here in New Zealand, there's definitely a, a lack of financial literacy taught through going to school and all that sort of stuff. And, and I was lucky enough to go to school in Australia for most of my schooling cause we lived over there. Um, And you never really got taught anything about, you know, money you you used to get. I remember they used to come along with Commonwealth Bank would give you the little you take your one dollar in or whatever every week (laughs) and put it in the bank. And I think as soon as I was old enough, I took all that money out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that's about as far as they used to go with financial literacy in schools. I don't know. Are they doing anything more now in, in Australia?
1: Um, Been a long time since um, I've had school-aged children now. That'll I think dogmaid <laughs> accounts were still going Um, the last time I checked, which was also a brilliant way for the Commonwealth Bank to make customers for life, I guess. Exactly. That was a, a very good ploy starting starting young. But, look, they, they're constantly talking about bringing more financial literacy into the um, curriculum. Mm. And I've been asked by local high school, Rabina High School, to speak to their entire Year 11 um, division in the coming weeks to have a chat about... Uh, financial literacy, and also um, financial planning as a career option because I, I know when I left school, I'd never heard of it. No. Knew about accountants. I think I'd heard of economists, but, yeah, didn't really know too much. I don't even know if the term had been really coined back then, but, yeah, knew nothing <laughs> about it.
0: Yes. Um, I had a question about that, but I can't remember. Um <laughs> It's, it's real professional. Hang up, it'll come to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll text you later tonight. <laughs> um, so just thinking around business, Oh, that's what you should talk to them about, This I was going to say. You should talk to them about entrepreneurship in schools as well. I yeah, know there's absolutely. some great things happening.
1: Yeah, for sure,
0: hmm. for sure. Get more business owners out there. We
1: need um, it. <laughs> I
0: know. And we're going to have some fun along the way too. So leading into the next question is, have you got any fun or funny stories that you'd like to share that have happened during business that you sort of think, what the heck?
1: <laughs> I think some of the embarrassing questions on insurance questionnaires back in the day um, definitely raised some eyebrows um there was often very explicit questions about um have you had anal intercourse recently um which you know men love to answer that question um and i and there was another one that used to ask if you'd been with a sex worker and i did have one husband ring back the next day and say look i couldn't say yes in front of my wife but i do see someone every friday (laughs) it's just Oh God! I wish you'd never made this like also.
0: you uh, do get
1: to hear everything about everybody in in great detail, which which can be a little confronting. But you know, it's <laughs> it's all part of the the game, and you know, whatever line of work you're in, is there's, there's always something a bit quirky. One mm. of the other funny things that I came across was a, a lady I'd interviewed for my book, and when I was asking about her upbringing with money she had this very quirky family who'd say things to her when they they drive past a beautiful home. They'd be like, really bad people must live there. You've got to be pretty awful to get ahead in life. <laughs> so she grew up with this really warped experience about money and it was, it was so far off anything I'd heard before. But, it, but again, it's one of those when you grow up, you have to confront. I've never said that out loud before. Do I still believe that? yeah so it was a really good lesson in you know confronting some of your own beliefs, whether it's about money or life or relationships or spirituality, whatever it is you know we've we've been taught these things mm. do we actually still need them or believe them? do they still serve us so it's an interesting exercise to have a think about what we do believe and why we believe it
0: yeah fantastic um, I was just thinking when you were talking about being um people exposing more than they need to, or, or they have to do it, I guess in the insurance industry because I'm in that as well, and yeah, I think I've been told by three different couples that they're having a baby before they've told their family and friends because <laughs> I've been there doing my forms, and they go... We probably should tell you that we're about to have a baby and I said, mm, Yeah, that is material, so it's like, oh, don't tell anybody. I said like, Only straight the insurance to baseball, company. Man, yeah. To yeah. I'll blog about it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we are
1: very privileged the information we get.
0: Yes. But secrecy is key.
1: <laughs> Indeed. if you want to stay working, yes. Yeah, exactly. You don't
0: want to be you don't want to be posting about that stuff on the internet. Um what do you think your greatest lesson you've had in growing your business? Like whether it be staff or process or personal growth? Uh,
1: that The best investment you can ever make is in yourself. I think the personal growth and business growth is really important. Don't ever think you need to have all the answers because you probably don't and you never will. Um, look, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> um, yeah, just con- invest in that constant learning and – the other thing, when taking on a staff member, it's also really difficult because you're sitting there going, look, I really don't have the money I need to do that yet, but I can't get to that next stage without this person. And a, a lovely mate of mine said, don't think of it as you know $60,000 a year or whatever it may be. He goes, think of it as, can I cover the $1,000 next week? Can mm-hmm. I cover the $1,000 the week after? Or, or whatever it worked out at. He goes, you're not outlaying that big lump sum, but you're doing these smaller investments to get this person to where you need them to be. And someone else even said hire earlier so that you can get where you need to be faster. Mm. So it's such a, a big leap of faith when you take on either that first or the second or third staff member going, how am I going to fund this? Mm. Um, so it's it's very scary, um, but, but also incredibly worthwhile. And another great lesson I think also from strategic coach was sometimes that the people that get you to a certain place – aren't the people who are going to take you to the next level. Mm. And so that there will be, you know, that turnover or, you know, conflicting ideas along the way, and you might need to find somebody new to, to help you at the next level. So if the only thing's constant out out there, it's changed. So I exactly. yeah, don't think you're ever going to get it just right, and it'll stay that way.
0: Mm. I think um, one of the things or two of the things I really got out of the strategic coach and being part of MDRT was as hire staff, and give away the things that you're not good at. I know that I'm not good at admin, so I try not to do it um, because there are people that are really, really good at getting everything done for you and, and love it. And they love it; they eat it up. <laughs> <laughs> I sit there and they're mad, but they love it. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> go <laughs> and talk that's to people. The thing. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and
1: what, yeah, let and, someone do what they love. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the next thing about that is once you've hired one, I think it's much easier to then go. Okay, well, that person's really good for that compartment. I need someone in this compartment. I'll hire another one. And, you, and that whole thinking of, gosh, that cost of $60,000 or whatever it is, that goes, I just need another $1,000 a week and that'll be taken care of then. And you know, as you know from experience, it's just get the right people in the right jobs and you as the business owner can focus on the big rocks and what's important to you.
1: Yeah. You've read Traction as well, then, haven't you?
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Might be up there somewhere. <laughs>
1: Probably. You might be on the one behind me as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we know each other from Million Dollar Roundtable, MDRT, which is it's not our normal in financial services regulatory type of awesomely fun development that we have to do to tick off a box to say we know what we're talking about. Um, so what, apart from MDRT, do you do um, for personal development outside of your normal study stuff?
1: I'm an avid reader. I You might be able to see that from my book now, but that's only my workbooks. Yeah. Um, I read nearly two books a week. Wow. Um, I just, I can't go to sleep without reading, and it can be everything from Regency romance fiction to self-help to, you know, business books to, um, you know, just, I, I'm pretty eclectic in my reading uh, biographies. I just... But it's all about learning and growth. And, you know, you don't have to love or agree with everything you read. You might sort of go, well, that wouldn't work for me. But, hey, that's a really cool idea. How can Mm -hmm. I implement that? Or just learning about other people and cultures is is fascinating as well. So it's a beautiful big world out there. Um, I'd love to get back to (laughs) travelling in person again (laughs) at some stage. I think travel opens your mind and horizons because when you do, you know, come in and do the nine-to-five and sit behind your desk Every day, it can feel like this is, you know, your whole universe, especially when you know, I think poor old Melbourne's just hit the longest lockdown in the world. <laughs> um, that that's can be soul destroying that you know, you're sitting there doing Groundhog Day basically. So, I, I think getting out of your own way and you know, making the adventures, people are like, you know, how do you do what you do? You're always so busy. It's like, well, I make the time <laughs> because it's important to me that. I do see Burley Beach just because I live, you know, 15 kilometres away from it, that I don't want to just visit it once a year. I, It's this beautiful natural resource that I. every time I go down there, I'm like, why aren't I here more often? Mm. <laughs> so it's making the time to do the stuff that's really important because suddenly you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, and you're like, well, where's all those things I was going to do? Why didn't I do them? You know, mm. it's because we don't make the time. So I think it's really important to make the time to have adventures, even if it's a picnic. That's going exactly. to be an adventure. <laughs> do a nature walk. I, yeah. I don't know. Whatever's interesting to you.
0: Fantastic. And that sort of leads into the next little bit of goal setting. And obviously there's a whole bunch of different ways people set goals. And, and do you set goals? And, and if so, how often do you set them? Do you do daily, weekly, annual, lifetime goals? Or do you have a mix?
1: Um, I, I'm not the guru or pin-up girl for goal setting. Um, yes, yes, I do, but I'm not great at them. I love the sound of a deadline as it goes wishing by. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm very much more interested in in taking advantages of opportunities that arise, because often something will come up, and it's very easy to say, "I don't have time for that. I couldn't be bothered." And look, there's times when yeah, no is the right answer. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we have to say yes to the scary stuff and grab those opportunities and make it happen. Like they say, give it to a busy person; they'll they'll find a way to make make things happen. So, do I goal set? Yes, um, I I think you have to. And whether that's look, my one task today is I need to do this fact find for a client, or I need to get out this statement of advice, and I will not leave here until I have done that one goal. Mm-hmm right through to look it's really important I catch up with my friends and I'll organize a zoom or a visit or whatever you know that you know give back to yourself stuff so I think just look if it's in my calendar it happens if it's not my calendar it doesn't happen so <laughs> those kind of things are yeah really important
0: nice and as um, do you do at the do you do like a yearly business planning session or or do you work with your team on on setting up your business and and do goals or targets come out of those sessions?
1: Yeah, often um, when I've been to something like MDRT or strategic coach or I've been to a professional development day put on by a fund manager, if there's any massively important points, I'll you know call a little mini team meeting and we'll sit around and go, right, these were the really cool things I got out of this. What do you think we need to input into the business, and you know, whether we can then make a process around that, or how do we make this, this work? But having everyone on board is really important. There's no point in me coming back go That was really cool, I'm gonna do this, and no one has a clue because I haven't told anyone, which is really easy to do.
0: And then they're probably going, What is she doing?
1: <laughs> Why did we start at that? Yeah, so, yeah share, sharing what you'd like to do or asking for input because different eyes see things differently and you go, actually, I didn't see it from that way. That That's actually a really cool way. Um, mm. My son is brilliant and great at getting things done, but he's also one of the laziest people I know. Like when he was about 12 or 13, I think he said to one of his teachers, like, what is the bare-ass minimum I need to do to pass <laughs> this subject? like just- a boy, but I mean, he's also a good person to take things to to get cut tasks done because he'll figure out some really easy, quick, uncomplicated way of making things happen. So, although it's not the world's greatest trait, it can be really useful as well. So, trying to turn it into something useful.
0: <laughs> he may be the expert in time management. It's like, he how probably
1: to... <laughs> is. Yeah. It's
0: like an untapped resource there.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Righto, last question from me. Um, and basically it is for people who are out there thinking about maybe starting a business or or working in a business and maybe having some struggles or just or just wanting some great tips from somebody who's very successful in their business what would be your top two tips for anyone thinking about going into business or or maybe you know looking at ways to tweak things in their business
1: I think for people starting a lot of us go into business because we think it will be so much easier and we'll have so much more time and, you know, we'll have this great work-life balance and you will never work harder in your life <laughs> than when you have your own business. Um, there's there's no off switch. Um, one of the questions a lot of people ask me, especially when I travel, is like, don't you ever work? And mm. I'm like, I'm self-employed. I never stop working. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter whether I'm in the forest in Uganda or at a conference in New York, I you are on all the time. I mean, we live in a world now, whereas if you've got an internet connection, you're on. Mm-hmm. Like you can, I can answer my emails and you have no idea where in the world I am. You know, you can get things done. So don't think you're suddenly going to get this brilliant life balance by being self-employed. Yeah. Um, it, it is non-stop. And for people who are already going, if you're going through the struggles reach out and ask, don't sit there in silence and suffer and things go really, really bad. There's so many people out there who are brilliant at sharing knowledge. There's some amazing books, even books that are 50 years old uh, from Jim Rohn, um, mm. you know, those kind of gurus of the, you know, last century that, that just had so much wisdom and um, and you know they're willing to share it all there's you know it's not like everyone keeps it to themselves if if that's if reading's not your thing watch a youtube video from from somebody you know get a an audible book by tony robbins or whatever you know you need to either stay motivated or take the next leap there'll be a, a book or, or somebody who's prepared to to share so learn from others pick their brains i mean if someone else has been through it don't make the mistake find out someone who's already made it, (laughs) learn from there. So it's a really good tip.
0: Fantastic. And hopefully by people watching this stuff, they can learn these tips and use them as well. Exactly. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much, Amanda. I've really appreciated talking to you today and and finding a little bit about your journey and, and where you're going and where you've come from. And again, appreciate the time you've taken out of your very busy schedule to join us. Last thing I'd like to ask you because I did say the last thing was the last thing, but this is the last thing. How can people get in touch with you if they want to use your service, if they're in in Gold Coast, is it, Queensland? And they want the best financial planner that's on this (laughs) channel right now. Uh, (laughs) Because I might get more from that area. You <laughs> might,
1: you might. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, if you Google Amanda Cassar, I, I will come up everywhere. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Finance Chicks. I do have people reach out through social channels or business ones. Um, if you want to drop me an email, it is amanda at wealthplanningpartners.com.au. So please don't be a stranger.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're going to put all the links in the notes of the show. So if you are looking to get in touch with Amanda, they'll all be down below where we're listening to or you're watching right now. Perfect. Awesome. Look, again, thank you so much, Amanda, for your time. I really do appreciate it. And, and if you do want to get in touch, everybody, flick Amanda a note, email, social media, whatever. She's more than happy to talk to you and help you out. Definitely. Thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you next time on Back to Biz. Hey, thanks so much Amanda Kassar for coming along and talking to us about her business and what she gets up to in her spare time. Really enjoyed learning about her journey and all the work she's doing, especially with the charities that she looks after and supports. Great stuff. Um, What an inspiring person and a great business owner as well. Hey, if you enjoyed this video, please click the social subscribe links below. You can subscribe, get notified, and like this channel. It really helps to get the word out there and to help everybody else who's looking for some business advice. So once again, thanks for watching this episode of Back to Biz. I look forward to talking to you next time with another special guest.